Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This is a story that happened to me when I was a child, and I thought I'd share it on here. I've never shared it with anyone really before, so here goes nothing. So this took place back around 2008, if my memory serves me right. Me and my family had just moved to Costa Rica, and we enjoyed spending most of our time at the beach. But one beach in particular, which was near a lovely little river that I like to swim in. And it was on this same beach that nine-year-old me found a dead body floating in the ocean. To give a little context, I'd been playing on the beach, which we thought was a relatively safe beach, so my parents were farther up. How wrong we were about it being safe, though. I remember seeing something floating in the water, but I wasn't sure what it was, so I went to investigate and found a dead man just floating there. Part of his leg had been hacked off. It was obvious that he had not drowned. The man had clearly been murdered. Around this time, we had heard about a recent string of murders that had happened both on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, where we were, and on the Pacific side. The murders had been happening every six months, rotating in between both regions of the country. So, there was reason to assume that this murder had been done by the same person since it seemed to fit the timeline. As far as I can remember, the details of the murder were never disclosed in any of the local newspapers, only that the man had been a tourist from England. So there was no way for anyone who had not seen the man on the beach to know the specifics of his murder. Eventually the whole thing blew over and we returned to that same beach. I can't quite remember a time frame, but it was definitely within a few months of me finding the dead man that this next part happened. One day, I was swimming in the river with my mother when a very strange man popped up out of the water, startling us. He had a spear gun in hand and snorkel mask on and... Anyways, he began talking to my mum and I think we could both tell that something was just off about this guy. I wasn't really paying attention for most of this conversation, but I do remember him bringing up the recent murder on the beach. And he seemed to know a great lot of details about it too. Which, as I previously mentioned, were not available to the public. 
It almost seemed as if he was trying to confess that he was the one who murdered this man, but without directly saying so. He also talked about how he travelled in between the Caribbean and the Pacific side of Costa Rica, spending half a year in each spot. Eventually, they also got onto the topic of what he did for a living, and he went into great detail about how he made the masks for the movie Eyes Wide Shut, and that he would make those masks and I presume other ones based on real-life human emotions, and that he specifically liked capturing the look of fear. We were totally taken aback by this guy, and honestly, didn't really know what to do. Eventually, we just got back into the river and swam away, and thankfully, we never saw him again. I do not know if this is related or not, but the weird strain of murders suddenly stopped after that too. So I have three kids, one biological, and two of them were recently adopted in April. One of the adopted kids is a girl, so I have a daughter now, but when these incidents occurred, it was before we were matched with them, so I only had my son with me. This is relevant. The first incident occurred at a restaurant. I live in a small but rapidly growing town, and we'd been out to eat at a brand new restaurant and were on our way out. My husband had already gone out to the car, but I had stayed inside to take my son to the bathroom. He was six at the time. So, as we were leaving, trying to get past a crowd at the door, an old man stopped me and asked, Do you have a daughter? Thinking that he'd simply mistaken me for someone else that had a daughter, I told him no and tried to keep walking. But he continued to speak and I politely stopped to listen. He said, I have a daughter, she's the prettiest, sweetest thing you ever saw, but what I always wanted was a son just like your boy here. I would give you my daughter if you would let me have your son. She's the prettiest little girl that you'll ever see. Alarm bells instantly went off. I kind of nervously laughed like it was a joke and said no, then made a beeline out of there, squeezing my son's hand tight. He hadn't heard what the man said yet. The guy was a complete stranger. I'd never seen him before and I was walking past him when he stopped me to ask me to trade my son. I tried to write it off as just a, a weird random encounter and forget about it. But a few months later, I was at the Walmart with my son, just me and him. At this time, we had just been matched with our other two kids but were waiting on a new license so we hadn't even been allowed to meet them yet. We knew their ages and that one was a boy and one was a girl but not much else. We had picked up something small that day, so as we were walking toward the door to leave, I had the bag in one hand and was holding my son's hand in the other. He had recently turned seven, and as we passed by a customer service desk, a disheveled-looking man in dirty overalls reached towards us and stopped us. At first, I thought he was just a homeless man and going to ask for money, but when he asked if I had a daughter, I realized that it was the same man from the restaurant a few months earlier. He went through the entire spiel again about his pretty little daughter and wanting to trade for my son. When he finished his speech, I told him no, obviously, and that we were adopting a girl. And then we just walked away from him. To be honest with you, I don't know why I told him about adopting. I'm not too good in social situations and it just kind of popped out. He stared at us with a slightly surprised look before calling out, you're a better person than me. We ignored him and just hightailed it out of there. A few moments later, my son, who had been quiet this whole time, said, You wouldn't trade me for anything, would you? And I assured him that I never would. 
I made a post about the encounter on Facebook too. Shortly after that too, one of my friends directed me to a conversation in one of our town pages where other women were talking about an old, dirty, disheveled man in overalls telling them about his pretty daughter and wanting to trade for their sons. I can't really remember what he was wearing at the restaurant, but I think that he had been dressed up a little nicer than it. Now, I could understand striking up a conversation with a stranger and, in the course of it, maybe joking about trading kids. Still not entirely appropriate, I know, but understandable, right? But this guy, he seeks out women with young boys, who he has no business with, and asks to trade. One woman said that the guy actually followed her out of the store and kept talking about his beautiful daughter. I think he was kicked out of a few stores in town because he wouldn't stop doing this after employees told him to quit. He could just be a harmless old man with a twisted sense of humor and poor social skills, or he could have mental problems, I suppose. Or maybe he has bad intentions. Though, I don't know anyone who would agree to trade children with anyone, much less a creepy old stranger. Oh, and uh, for the record too, no one has ever seen this beautiful daughter that he keeps talking about. So I guess my question for you guys is... Which of these do you guys think that is more likely? Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. About 10 years ago, I was between 19 and 21. I was living in an apartment with who would eventually be my wife and our cat. It was around 4 or 5 p.m. She was getting ready for work when I heard a voice. It wasn't scary, but it was definitely not human or nice. It started saying stuff like, I'm going to get you. Oh man, I'm so going to get you. It was excited that it was going to get me, whatever that entailed. Obviously, I was terrified. I was a 20-year-old man curled up in the corner of our bed against the wall covered in blankets. I told my wife and she pretty well ignored me. 
What was she going to do anyway? She didn't hear anything and she had to go to work. I feel like this went on for about 10 minutes at most, long enough for my wife to finish getting ready for work and leave. I was alone, but all I could do was wait. Suddenly, our cat comes tearing into the bedroom, leaps onto the bed, swipes about a foot and a half in front of me, then leaps off the bed and runs. The voice is gone and I'm alone, but was I just hearing the cat or did the cat just protect me? There was only me and my wife and the cat obviously in the building at the time and it was an old house turned into five apartments. We lived on the second floor and our bedroom was connected to two outside walls and the rest of our house. I talked to my wife about it too but she's of the mind that there's no point thinking about something if nothing can be done about it so all I got from her was confirmation that I heard something say that it was going to get me. I've had other experiences too but Nothing like this. So I just moved to a new city and had a few friends, but still wanted to meet some new people and maybe a cute girl to date. I began using Tinder, which I had fun with in other cities. I matched with this gorgeous woman, way out of my league, and her profile was funny and interesting. We get to chatting and she's flirtatious and clever and let it drop that she went to a top artsy school in France. So, obviously, I'm pretty intrigued and also thinking that she's out of my league. Why is she so interested? So, I decided to Google her, which is not something I used to do before every date. Usually this will bring up a Facebook, an Instagram, LinkedIn account, etc. But when I clicked enter... Her name came back with like 125,000 hits. News articles, videos, everything. Chronologically, the weirdness begins like this. As a teenager, she was one of those women who would start up correspondence with serial killers and had actually been engaged to two of them on death row before they were put to death. Next, she was engaged to her 6th grade English teacher in her early 20s. He was famous for having falsely claimed to kill Jean John Bennett Ramsey. For this, she was on Good Morning America saying he was going to use her to recruit 6th grade girls for a sex cult. Lastly, she became a high-end escort in the city and had a fairly popular blog about it too. I'm not shaming the sex worker community here, but still, it was like sprinkles on the weirdness of this whole thing. After seeing these things, I was intrigued and kind of creeped out by her, and found out that she was the adopted daughter of a local billionaire. And I decided at this point that this just wasn't worth it, and deleted Tinder the day before our date. The next day, she messaged me on another dating app asking me if I was still going to meet her for a drink. And it was a big fat no from me. So a little bit of background. Growing up, I used to go with my mum to work sometimes because, well, she occasionally couldn't find a babysitter. I usually liked it though because it was fun to walk around the store and help with little things here and there. Though, that being said, it wasn't a very bad part of town in a not-so-good city, so I grew up around transients and homeless people. I think in hindsight though, it was probably a good thing because it let me see that they were just normal people in bad times. But... That also gave me a bit of a, a sixth sense for people since robberies have happened while I was actually in the store before. My mum always kept me cooped up in a little office in the back so I was never in danger. 
Now, one day, my mum had to go into the store to pick up some check stubs, so I came with her. There was usually this homeless guy named Randy out front, and he never caused problems, and the whole store knew him, so they let him sit there to rest on rainy days like it was on that particular day. We walk inside, and my mum tells me to go by the registers and wait for a little bit. So I start leaning on things and playing with buttons of a broken cash register right next to the exits. I should also say too that today was an especially dead day at the store so there was only one check stand open at the other end of the line of the cash register. As I'm pushing the buttons I feel a tug on my shirt like someone is behind me. I assume it was my mum and turn around only to see that it was a middle aged couple that had deep wrinkles. The man smiles at me and says, Hi, we were wondering if you want to buy a puppy. We have a few in our car that we can show you. One if you want to see one in the car right now. I immediately get really bad vibes from these people. My mum always told me about people like this growing up, so I was already pretty scared from that. I tried to get past them and say something about needing to tell my mum and ask if I can get a puppy. As I'm walking around them, the man grabs my arm tight and starts to drag me to the door. I immediately grab on the edge of the register and hang on for dear life while calling for my mum. The man didn't look strong, but compared to the strength of a kid, it felt like fighting against a bear. Eventually, of course, he pried me off the thing, and I was ready to turn around to fight tooth and nail if need be. I was going to make sure that we made noise. But as I turned around, Randy was right there looking at us and asked if everything was okay. The woman this time came in and in a hurried tone said, Oh yes, he's our son. Come on, Greg. I screamed, my name is Carlos. And just then, my mum started coming down and saw the guy holding and rushed over, separating us and said in a deadly serious tone, Can I ask why you're holding my son? The couple seemed to stop for a moment and think and then the woman said, Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I thought that that was our son. We better go look for ours. And rushed past Randy at the door. I told my mum what happened when they left and she thanked Randy profusely afterwards and held my hand every time that we went to the store afterwards. So this takes place at the rather infamous Myrtle's Plantation. Now, I know that with places that are kind of touristy as far as paranormal things go... They can be kind of questionable as far as the validity of what happens there. And this being such, I always tend to err on the side of caution as far as what I believe. And I always do a fairly thorough check of wherever I'm staying for any artificial motors and wireless speakers. Basically anything that can cause things to happen that may seem paranormal. And the cabin that we stayed in came up clear. So, we arrived at the plantation at around 2pm and we were given a complimentary tour of the grounds. I got vibes just all over the place too. It was pretty insane already because I get vibes but rarely do I get vibes that strong. We were then shown the place that we'd be staying that night and we were let in and essentially set free. I did my evaluation on the room and then afterward I noticed something. Near the back door of the room I got an insane vibe. Like, even stronger than the rest of the grounds. I just knew that something had happened there. I knew that I had to find out what happened. And this comes back up again later. At this point, it was probably around 5pm and understandably, we were pretty hungry. 
We left the plantation to go into town to get some food. We got back around 6.30pm and began to walk over to our cabin when a friendly woman that we'd seen earlier came over, knowing that we were paranormal enthusiasts and asked if we wanted to see a room which was in the actual plantation house. We were staying in a slave cabin. Now obviously, we said of course and she brought us up to a room. We looked around and it was pretty regular as far as vibes go, but when I went into the bathroom, I felt the most oppressive and just awful atmosphere. It was creepy and terrible and I hated it and instantly wanted to leave. I didn't necessarily think something had happened there, but I knew that something inhabited that bathroom and I knew that it wasn't something kind. We didn't stay in that place for long, but it was cool to look at, I must admit. We left after probably 10 to 20 minutes, I'd say, of looking around and we went back to our cabin and got settled in for the night. My sister and I, we were somewhat younger at the time, slept in the same bed because, well, we were scared. She and I stayed up pretty late playing a game called Farkle. It's pretty fun and really good for a time killer. And as soon as midnight rolled around, we decided it would probably be best to put away the game and just go to bed. But... As soon as we had put the game away and the noise of the game and our voices were gone, I noticed a, a noise. The rocking chair on the front of the porch of the cabin was rocking methodically back and forth. And the rocking I heard was hard enough back and forth that I was certain that it wasn't any wind responsible for it. I must admit that I got a little bit freaked out by that. But I decided I wasn't going to mention it to my younger sister as it would probably just trouble her. So she and I laid down to sleep. She fell asleep pretty quickly but I was having issues falling asleep with all the thoughts and the worries running through my head. But all of those seemed quickly rather irrelevant as I heard footsteps on the stones outside of the cabin. Now our cabin was fenced in and so it couldn't be entered by anyone who didn't have the key. But regardless I heard the footsteps and they continued as I heard light slaps of feet in the wooden porch along with a groan of the weight and they continued on forward and the noise continued right on through the door as I heard the figure pass right by my bed but didn't see anything and then continue at the back door. I also smelled some sort of rosy scent. Obviously I really had a hard time falling to sleep after that. This event happened around 1 in the morning and I didn't fall asleep until around 3.30. When we woke up, we went into the main house for breakfast and we heard a noise from the other campers about their experiences which were equally terrifying, including people who felt a presence sit down on their bed in the middle of the night and a person coming out of a cabin to tell people to be quiet, but the cabin was actually void of people. We ate and shared our stories and then returned to our cabin. We sat there for a while playing games on our tablets and just relaxing as it was a pretty nice cabin despite it being haunted. Then, I can't remember why but my sister and my mum got into an argument. The argument obviously didn't sit well with whatever was in that cabin because their argument was cut short by the faucet in the bathroom turning on full force and then turning back off again. And at this point, the three of us freaked pretty bad and we cleared out of the cabin in no less than 30 seconds. That was how that ended and I'm never going to forget how scary it was to be awake by myself in a cabin in the middle of nowhere and suddenly realize you're not alone. 
this memory has stayed with me since it happened in what has to be somewhere close to a decade ago now because I was probably about nine. It was a completely normal day and then I go to sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night though despite normally being a heavy sleeper. I don't know why too but I immediately decide that moving even an inch would be a terrible idea so I stay still and shut my eyes tight. I still don't know why but then I feel something. You know how you can kind of feel what's happening around you, even if you're not looking? As long as you're paying close enough attention? Well, imagine that, except amplified by about 400%. I could feel two presents in my room. Not near my door, but right next to my window on the opposite side of the room. I kept my eyes shut tight, but it wouldn't have mattered anyway because it was as dark as could be. After remaining near my window for however long, I began to feel like they knew that I was awake too. Then, they started moving over to me. I can see their exact path that they took through my room and my mind, based on what I felt. They both stand right in front of my bed. I'm laying on my side facing toward them. The one closer to my head bends down and gets near my face. I don't hear anything, but I can only feel them. They stay like this for another short while and I'm panicking beyond belief, concentrating on keeping my mind in check so I can stay alive. I pray to God that they just go away and then peace. I have no idea what happened after that. I don't even remember waking up despite the memory of the encounter and the peace that followed it being extremely vivid. I had ruled it off as demons initially as that falls in line with my beliefs but after reading a few other encounters... I don't know what to think anymore. I would not believe in aliens if not for this experience too and these next ones. So the same year, perhaps five months before or five months after, I can't really remember. I was taking out the trash and once I got to the end of my driveway and dropped off the cans, and we had a really long driveway. I looked up to search for the two dippers as I always like to do didn't expect to see about five shapes just hovering in the air. One of them, which took up about a, a twelfth of the circumference of the sky, if that makes sense, was composed of four bright lights assembling what was perhaps a, a trapezoid-esque shape. It was emitting what appeared to be similar to a headlight on a car, I suppose, except huge, of course. It was stationary and revealed no stars behind it. To the right, there were two big, bright stationary lights, Seemed more like individual ships, maybe? Much larger than the stars, though. Between them, too, was a moving assembly of three red lights forming a perfect triangle, heading up, I guess. It almost looked like it was following the fifth entity, which I think was just one of four satellites, maybe? It was small, fast, and zipping on by. I would have thought the triangle could have been an aeroplane, of course, but it just looked way too big for how it was moving and how far away it appeared to be. I've seen this triangular ship two other times as well. Once I was even with other people, though it was too fast for anyone else to see it. We were in a moving car and it went out of view. I still have no explanations for these events, only the vivid memories and assurance that I didn't dream these events up. On top of these experiences too, I also noticed another similarity between me and people who claim to have been abducted. It's a strange fascination, almost obsession I guess, with aliens when they were younger, which suddenly stopped, at least for a while. I have also felt that odd sensation that many others have expressed when certain things are shown or brought up. 
You begin shaking and quivering and tearing up. You don't know why, but you know that you just have to get away from what triggered it. Which, in my case, is 100% every time related to aliens being shown or discussed in media. It doesn't happen every time aliens are brought up, but when it happens, it's always when aliens are brought up, if that makes sense. But anyway, am I blowing this out of proportion, or is my experience similar to anyone else's? I would love to know if you guys would like to leave a comment. I moved around a lot when I was younger and some houses were just sort of naturally creepy while others were just mundane. I always choked it up to the openness of floor plans and the availability of natural light. Basements, for instance, are just kind of creepy, you know? I never worried too much about it though because whenever the house we were living in that year had a basement, it was generally finished and felt more like a slightly darker ground floor than a proper basement. Ironically enough, too, the creepiest house that I ever lived in had an amazingly open floor plan and ample natural light. So in the late 2010s, my family moved to Georgia. It was a small halfway suburb and halfway country town to the east of Atlanta. It's where Road Atlanta is if there are any motorsports fans here. We found a big late 90s house for pretty cheap because the housing market was still pretty bad three levels, huge bedrooms, all of their own bathrooms, hardwood, finished basement, all of the McMansion fixings. We were told that for once that we'd be living there for a while too. My older sister and I were just about to start high school and my dad didn't want to move us around during that time of our lives. The house was built on a slight hill so the basement was the ground floor on one side and underground on the other. On one end of the basement there was a large bedroom with a door leading outside. This was my bedroom. Directly across from the door into the house was a room, probably 25 feet by 12 feet I'd say, with no windows or interesting features which we decided to use just as storage. This room had no door, just an opening to the rest of the fairly open basement. Towards the stairs, which more or less marked the midpoint of the basement, and off to the left was a series of three rooms. The central room, which connected to the rest of the basement via a regular door, was small but it was finished. The other two, however, they weren't finished. One was your standard stud and slab basement room where the fuse box, the water heater, etc. were. The other had thick concrete walls and a ceiling made from corrugated steel laid across a few steel beams. I always figured it was just a tornado shelter or something. Past the stairs where a bar that was never used, not once in the years that we lived there, was a similarly disused home theater and a game room. These three won't really be relevant because most of the story takes place between my bedroom and the stairs. So it took me a while to realize that the uneasy feeling I had in the house wasn't because I didn't really want to move back east. We had spent the last 18 months in the foothills of the Nevadas and it was quite fun. I had more or less grown up in the southeast and wasn't super thrilled to be there again. Everything was quiet for the first year or so that we lived there too but then I started to get more comfortable spending time alone at night in the living room that we had set up down in the basement, playing Xbox or doing whatever else a 13-year-old boy with nothing to do does at night. But I started noticing sounds of shifting just every now and then. Maybe once every couple of months or so, I'd hear a noise from behind me in the big storage closet, which sounded like something rubbing against a box or possibly moving a lightly filled box across the carpet. 
Sometimes it'd be a slight knock or a creak like a door hinge. I never thought too hard on it because what could it have been? Something actually in there or the mind of a 13-year-old looking for sounds to hear? I mean, houses make noise, I thought. It went on like that for a while too until one night I had my dog down there with me and she perked up at the noise. And I realized then that it couldn't have been my imagination unless I had a telepathic link with my dog or something. It obviously wasn't that though, so I went into the storage room to have a look, but I didn't find anything amiss. Time went on and sounds happened every now and again with varying frequency, but then I started to hear the stairs creak at night. Never the whole flight, and not very frequently, but it was pretty clear. The bottom few steps were not carpeted, but the rest were, so you could tell the directionality of someone using them based on whether the sound went from wood to carpet or carpet to wood. And there was the clear but quiet sound of wood to carpet every now and then. Sometimes it was at night and sometimes in the middle of the day. But what's more too is that I wasn't the only one who heard it. My mum would ask why I was sneaking upstairs in the middle of the night when I never really had any reason to. And obviously I never did. Now one day I was upstairs home alone on a Saturday and clearly heard what I could have sworn was my younger brother who was definitely not home with me, call out, mum, from somewhere in the basement. It was slightly muffled, but definitely from inside the house. And that was the first time that I'd heard something that I couldn't just explain as the house shifting. Over the years we lived there, I heard my mum and my dog's name called out a few more times, and always from downstairs. Sometime after this, the dog started to get locked in weird places around the house when we left too. Sometimes it was in the laundry room where her food and water dishes were and sometimes in a bathroom upstairs, but once in the movie room, which we generally kept closed to prevent her from going in and laying down on the recliners in there, and once in the finished room between the tornado shelter and the utility closet. But she wasn't just closed in, the door had a lock and it was locked. These were push locks too, not toggle locks like most houses have. If you lock the door while it's open and then close it, it will unlock itself. But these doors were locked and needed to be opened with a key or screwdriver. And last time I checked, pugs can't really reach doorknobs. At first we thought that it was my youngest brother, but he was with us every time and couldn't have locked the doors from the outside. So now I'm hearing stuff shifting, names being called, the stairs sounding like someone's walking partway up them, and my dog is getting locked in odd rooms while we're all out. This was probably around the fourth year that we lived in that house. I was getting pretty tired of living in that basement. Fortunately though, when my sister moved off to college, I was allowed to take her old room on the top floor. A little while after changing rooms, my family all went on a week-long vacation without me. I had a job, a car to use, and I'm not that big on beaches, especially not those in Georgia, so I was fine to have a staycation away from my family. However, again at night, I heard a new sound, soft footsteps from the top of the basement stairs to the doorway of the master bedroom. The first two nights this happened, and they happened every night after the second night my family was away, I grabbed my gun and a flashlight and checked it out, making sure all the windows and the doors were locked. We didn't have a security system, so it was entirely possible for a door to be opened on the other end of the house, completely unbeknownst to me. Remember, too, that there were exterior doors in the basement. However, everything was locked up tight. 
The second to last night, though, at the end of the footsteps path, I heard a door close. I didn't go to check that one out, though, and I also didn't tell my parents about that. It was a year later, too, that I was moving out to college, so my family decided that they would finally answer my dad's employer's constant demands for relocation, and the house was being cleaned up to show and sell. They moved out into an extended stay on my dad's company's dime, so as not to disturb the realtor's careful placement of furniture and whatnot. They got a few notices, though, from the realtor that physical, slightly dirty footprints were showing up on bath mats, like someone who wasn't exactly clean was stepping out of the showers. But they put up a nanny cam, too, to see if someone was sneaking in, but they didn't find anything. After a while, though, shower curtains were being torn down. During this period, there was a lot of stuff stored in the basement and I had need for an old dog kennel since I had adopted a dog of my own to keep me company at college, so I came over on a day that there were no showings and went into the storage room and grabbed it. On the way back up the stairs, I heard a door open somewhere behind me, and that was the last time that I ever entered that house. My mum says that on the day that they were moving everything out, she and my dad were going room to room checking to see if anything had been left behind, but they were just leaving through the foyer and my mum to this day will swear that she heard someone laugh in the basement. She said that it sounded like me. My dad says that he didn't hear anything and that was pretty much that. To be honest with you guys, I really don't know what to think. I've never been too certain on the possibility of the paranormal, but I've never been too closed off to it either. There are too many weird things that happened in that house and have never happened since for me to say that it was just a trick of my mind. But what could really be going on with a house that young? Are haunts known to progress slowly like that? But we lived there for almost six years and this is all there is to say. No huge weird event, just a series of really creepy noises and really strange events. Like I said, I, I really don't know what to think about it, but maybe you guys have some ideas as to what the deal was with that house. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.